Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being here with me. I so appreciate you. So glad for this time that we get to be together to spend some time here on the radio talking about things that are going to help you thrive, thrive in your life, and especially thrive in your business. You are an amazing, thriving entrepreneur, and in all that you do, you are making such an impact in the world. Today, we want to talk about drinking in life and living it to its infinite potential. There is so much opportunity out there for you, so many good things going on. It's really just a matter of whatever you focus on grows. Whatever you look at is exactly what you're going to find in life. So are you drinking in life, living it to its absolute infinite potential, or are you just waiting, expecting nothing, and finding that that's exactly what you end up getting. So sad when I meet people that that's where their life is, that they're really not alive. And that's the only way I know really how to say it is they're still breathing. In my book, I actually call it being a zombie. They're dead. They just haven't had the politeness to lay down in the grave. And so... I I feel so bad for them, and I don't want that for you. I want you to drink life in, to live it to its infinite potential, to be healed in whole in the things that you have been through in life, because we all have, and to be able to smile and be powerfully amazing at exactly being you. I love that. I want that so much for you. I hope that you are happy and giddy today. But even if you're not, I hope by the time you're done listening here today that you will be able to drink in life, to live it to its ultimate, infinite potential, to be healed or begin the process of healing of all of the things from the past, and to live as a thriving entrepreneur. We are going to jump right into our first guest. Let's go. Join me in welcoming Connie Hubner. Hey, Connie, how are you doing today? Really great. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Well, I actually am ordained and a meditation teacher and an ordained minister. I founded a church called Divine Mother Church. Um, but I also do energy healing. And I'm really here to tell you about you and your viewers about the energy healing. It has to do with the divine mother, which is the mother aspect of the unity of mother, father, God. And at this time on the planet, the mother aspect is coming forth. There's been, I'm sure you've heard, there's a lot of talk about the rise of the divine feminine and so on. Well, the divine mother, this divine, this mother aspect, the divine feminine aspect of the divine is, is coming forth because our, our human family has gotten so disconnected, so conflicted, so um, distraught and, and disturbed and upset and, fighting with each other and so the divine mother is coming back truly to bring her family back together so i have been working for a long time with energy healing and i have found a way to work with the the energy to actually heal people's hearts which are probably the most broken um, and heal people's um, vibrational field. Um, let me give a little background. We are all energy. 
you know, we're, we're really truly made up of atoms and particles and they create the cells and the, the cells create the organs that create our physical body. Uh, but the energy is more fundamental. So if someone knows how to balance energy, they're actually balancing the physical system. And so, um, so basically that's what I've discovered out of, from a lot of internal self exploration. Um, I've discovered what I call healing tools. I, um, and, I, and I've written it in a book called Divine Mother Healing. And these healing tools use energy to heal and anyone can do it. Uh, that's what's so wonderful <laughs> is that it's not difficult. You don't even have to be, I know I, know I started this saying, you know, I'm, a, I'm an ordained minister and, and actually my church is all denominational. It's not, um, although it is a church, so it's in the, the Christian format, but we welcome and respect all, all um, religious persuasions and um because we're all energy no matter wh where we are whoever we are we're we're made of energy and when our energy gets discombobulated when it's confused then things in our life don't go right they become discombobulated and confused but if you can smooth out the energy this flowing truly from life force and let, allow it to come through in, a, in, a, in the way it was designed to come through to support us, then the problems in life start disappearing. It's very interesting that working with the energy because it's the basis of everything will affect the physical body and then it'll affect the physical bodies and minds behavior in the world so that it becomes more, um, more supportive of you and of everything else, more um, aligned with what I say is aligned with the divine, but truly it's aligned with yourself, your true self, who, who is wonderful. Um, you know, everybody's true self is, is truly good. It's just that it gets so twisted and um, blocked and the fear comes in and the anguish and the anger come in that cause people to do disruptive, even destructive things. So, so my, my angle uh, for helping to make a better world is to encourage people to use these energy tools that I've developed. Um, and that's why I've got this book out. It's a workbook. Um, I don't know if this is being can be, this be seen, but it's it's a workbook. You see, it's in a workbook format where someone can just lay it on their lap and read um, some of these tools. And I'll tell you, want to know what some of the tools are? Absolutely. Okay. Well, one of the most important ones is closing holes in your aura. Um, a lot of times we're wide open. And other people's negativity, other people's issues, we pick up. I'm sure almost everyone has had the experience of, you know, you're feeling great, your friend comes along and, and has all kinds of issues and problems, and then suddenly you feel, you feel like, oh my God, oh no, what happened? Another example is you can walk into a room and you can tell from the energy in the room, whether it's, um, you know, whether, whether there's people are unhappy in there, people are angry, or whether people are light and joyful and celebratory. So anyway, um, those are just examples of how we, we are always responding to energy. And those negative heavy energies that often are coming from someone else can impact us. So one of the things that I encourage people to do is, is, clo is close the aura. Get your own integrity in your aura, your own energy integrity. So I have a, a simple statement. All you have to do is, well, I call on the divine. I call on the divine power. 
So um, in my case, I always call on Divine Mother, but you could call on Jesus. You could call on the, um, the divine intelligence of the universe. And you could you say, I, I call upon the Divine Mother um, to close my aura. And then you say, close I, to the astral plane, close to the extraterrestrial realms, close to the negative thought forms, close to the false gods, close to the interdimensional fields, close to the lost souls, close to the heavy, dense energies and entities, close to the, what else? COVID virus, which is an energy, close. Close to the collective consciousness of our planet, close. By closing, you're not cutting yourself off, but you're maintaining the integrity of your vibrational field so that other people's um, concerns and pain and fears don't enter and, and cause you to, to lose your course, to lose your center. So, so that's one of the most important tools that I offer, closing holes in your aura. Of course, the auric field is this whole space around your body. Um, other tools. So what happens to us if we don't close it? If you don't close it, you're at the mercy of everybody else's thoughts and feelings. You're at the mercy of, you see, thoughts are energy. Thoughts are vibration. So when somebody is thinking, um, even if they're thinking, I'm angry, I, you know, I don't like that person, and that person might not be you, if your aura is open, you get, you, it can enter your aura and make you feel anger make you feel un unhappy or uncomfortable. It's, it's again, it's about the energy. Every thought we have is, is a creates a vibration in the space around us. And other people's thoughts create vibrations around them. And if their vibrations impact us and they happen to be uh, anger, frustration, um, pain, shame we can start feeling those and think they're ours when they're truly not we picked it up from someplace else so by just strengthening and empowering your aura you can you can stop that makes and sense Yes, absolutely. So they can, of course, get the book Divine Mother Healing and get help with that. Um, if they wanted to work deeply, uh, more deeply with you, do do you have a website or something they can go to to contact oh, yeah. you? Yes, um, it's called divinemotheronline.net. And it, there's all kinds of information. I have a lot of YouTube videos out um, explaining how to do these energy tools. Um, what else? This book has, you know, many, many varieties and different ways of using the tools. One of the tools is simply divine light. And all you say is divine light is filling me now more and more divine light pouring in. And you repeat that again and again. And what people don't realize is what you say you create. So if you say divine light is filling me, you actually activate light in your system. And same thing with the, with the aura, closing the aura. You, you close the aura. When you say, I now close to these different areas, I close the negativity around me. That's, that's how powerful we are. Actually, people don't realize how, how powerful they are as, as a human being. That you, we're made in the image of the divine, and we have a lot of divine abilities that people aren't accessing, and one of them is our creativity. Um, and when we think, we're creating. So it's good to be conscious of what you think and think constructive thoughts because you're creating them in the field around you rather than destructive thoughts that you also create 
in the field around you. <laughs> I've and, uh, been a lot, but there you go. And the book, Divine Mother Healing, where can we get it at? Um, it's available on Amazon. It's available on Barnes and Noble. Um, it's also available through my website. We have a, although the website will take you to do either Barnes and Noble or Amazon um, or Balboa Press. Um, so that's, so that's where you can get it. And it's, um, it's actually quite inexpensive. It's under $20. I'm, I wanted it to be inexpensive so that it could be accessible because truly my purpose for doing this is I want to empower people. So many people feel a victim of what's happening in the world or a victim of what other people are doing. And this really puts you in your strength by, by using these tools, by connecting with, with what I call the divine mother, um, mother, father, God. It's, the, it's a very empowering. It is your life force. It's your life energy that we're talking about unblocking. And when your life energy can flow through you, your full stature, truly your, your beauty shows forth. Your, your, your knowledge can come out. Your, um, your divine purpose can activate and engage. So there's really a lot to uncover and I know we, we have just a short interview here, but I, <laughs> I've tried to, you know, help people understand that you are really powerful beings. And this book is about it, uh, honoring your power and empowering you more. So get the book Divine Mother Healing by Connie Hubner. Connie, thanks so much for spending some time with us on the show here today. You're welcome. Thanks for the invitation. Are you willing and are you ready to invite in the healing aspect of God into your life? There is so much more for you. And until we allow ourselves to become healed and whole from those things that are holding us back, we never truly are able to drink in life. We're never able to live it to its ultimate infinite potential. We stay stuck in something that God has always wanted us to move beyond. And so I hope today you find yourself drinking in life and living it to its potential and allowing yourself to finally be freed of and released from those things in your past that you so need to be healed from so that you live as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com, schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free, it's guaranteed, it's proven we've done it thousands of times what are you waiting for yes your bestseller today.com this time next week you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve reach the people that you came to serve come on now what are you waiting for grab a pen here we go all you got to do is book a call your bestseller today.com go to your bestseller today.com book a talk with steve it's proven it's guaranteed it's gonna happen all you have to do is say yes to your destiny Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today as we talk about drinking in life and living it to its infinite 
potential. You do have within you an infinite, amazing amount of potential. Yours to have, embrace, and live in the midst of. And so, of course, we would be remiss in this episode if we didn't take some time now to talk about that. So with that said, let's jump right into our next guest. Join me in welcoming Sherry Fernandez. Hey, Sherry, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Steve. How are you doing? I am doing great, thanks. Tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Well, I, um, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a mentor and a, and a speaker, which, of course, you hear that a lot. But um, I have been working on personal development and developed some techniques I've been teaching for about four decades, actually. So I was uh, long before it became trendy. I've been doing this kind of work first on myself and then taught it to other people and then wrote a book. So in that order. And That's awesome. Yeah. I used to use the phrase, I was a coach before we even knew to call it coaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's why I changed to mentor, you know, and I think a mentor is somebody who's been there, done that, and they know the way so they can kind of put their arm around you and, and show you the direction rather than, you know, go get them, <laughs> something like that. So, um, yeah, I think that makes me a little bit different, unique in that I've lived it and not just talk about it. Absolutely. So tell me. Yeah. Tell us uh, the title of your book and a little bit about it. It's Life Mastery. Um, that's the title, Life Mastery. The, the subtitle is uh, Personal Progression Towards an Infinite Potential. The idea being that we all know that we're stuck. When we're stuck, we're not happy. We're happy when we're moving forward. And we can only move forward slowly, but we move forward slowly and steadily. It makes our dreams come true. And that's what's the journey. That journey is what makes people happy. And so that's the, that's the gist of it. I teach eight areas that we have to progress in, not just so much of personal development is aimed at business or money uh, I talk, or sometimes fitness. I do cover all those <laughs> and education and integrity and lifestyle and vocation. So eight areas If we're not moving forward in all eight, we're not really moving forward. We're just uh, exchanging one kind of progress for a lack in another area. So, I mean, because sitting still really isn't totally possible in life. You're going somewhere, even if it's (laughs) nowhere fast. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I say there's no status quo in the universe. There's not. Everything's, especially living things, are either growing or dying all the time. And so certain parts of our developments, either we're progressing or we're backsliding. There really is no stuck. We think we're stuck, but there is no stuck, really. It's, It's a backslide moving forward or moving backward, no other options. That is a really powerful statement you just made. We're either growing or we're dying. Wow. Yeah. Every living thing on the universe is either growing or dying. It's just how it is, you know. It's the law of the universe. So in one part of our life, we might be thriving in one part, but that's we're whole people. We, we, that means something else. If we're not well-developed, something else is dying somewhere else, even if one part's thriving right so to be a whole well-rounded successful person it takes all those eight areas and maybe more but at least those eight main areas so do you think it's fair to say though because i mean i've been through i mean granted my parents are psychiatry you know psychology degrees so um i've been (laughs) through some of those tests but do you think it's fair to say that you know at any given stage in our life we're excelling in some areas and challenged in others of those eight yeah, absolutely. You know, we talk, I'm not talking about balance here. There is no such thing. If we tried to balance everything, like how are you going to balance the time you have to spend at work with the time you spend with your kids? You can't do it because you have to work and make a living, you know, for most people um, that are not retired like me. <laughs> um, so the balance, perfect balance, but being aware and making sure that we're, we've got a, a handle on each of the eight areas. That's life mastery. To not feel out of control. That we are making some progress and granted, sometimes we're going to be working a little harder here. But for example, if we're working in our business and we're trying to make this business grow, and maybe we're so driven that we maybe just cut a corner here or maybe not be quite honest there, we, we suffer in our, our, our character, right? Our integrity, our character suffers. And so then we're backsliding there or our relationship might suffer because we're not putting the time into it. So while it won't be all balanced, we still need to make sure we don't suffer. Our integrity is intact our relationships are still getting the time they need. Not perfectly balanced, but not getting lost either. 
That is so powerful because it's really easy to get excited about that thing that's going good in your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the new shiny thing, right? And, you know, I'll think that the wife or the husband or the kids will be there when I'm done with this thing. And, you know, I've, I've got a little gone a little stray that way a little bit, just minor little things. And those are the things we regret when we let something important go because of something we thought was fun or exciting or challenging or we're just into it in the moment. Uh, we have regrets. And I really believe you can live without regrets. It just, not that you can live without mistakes, but you can live without regrets um, if, you're, if you're just paying attention and making sure your life is well-rounded and you're progressing in all areas. You can live without regrets. That brings up a good point though, because, okay, we're all human, we've blown it. So perfect spot to get a regret, right? How do we deal with, an obvious mistake we made and live with no regret? That's a good question because living with no regrets, how many mistakes have you made that you've been grateful for? All the time we make mistakes. People say, oh, sure, you're so wise. And what I want to say is it's because I've made every mistake there's <laughs> to make just about. I've made so many mistakes and I learned from them. So a mistake isn't exactly not going to cause regrets. Regrets are when we, when we have not been integrity with ourselves, when we have um, done something that's irreparable, you know, that can't be fixed, that we can't, that learning from is not going to be enough, that we made, a, just made a poor choice and almost knew we were doing it right and then we regret it. I, uh, I can think of a few, I mean, there aren't very many in my life, but there's a couple things. You can usually tell the things that go back and do differently. Those are the things you have regrets about. So if you find yourself having a regret about something, Let's say it's something, you know, and that person is now passed. Um, can you move from the place of regret to a place where you're okay in that area again? Well, you better, right? Or you'll really be stuck and that's never a good place to be. And we all, all I talked about being stuck, that's backsliding. No, yeah, you know, I think that, of course, somebody's gone on and we say, oh, I wish I would have. And there's always going to be that once we've lost somebody, we could have done something a little bit better and have some regrets in that, in that uh, case. But Again, the thing is to learn from it and say, because I didn't give this relationship the attention that it needed, I will not do that again. I will make sure that I'm giving my relationships it. If you find yourself making, having the same regret over and over again, that's a problem, right? <laughs> We're not learning. So I will learn from it, be a better person. My husband always says, I always walk away from funerals feeling uh, uplifted, like I want to be a better person. And uh, part of that is the regret of not paying more attention to that person when they were alive, right? So that's a little different kind of thing. But as far as taking the right, making the right, making decisions that moved us forward, I think we can do that without regrets. So, I mean, some people we hang on to their regrets, like you're going to get a, you know, a diamond ring for it or something, right? <laughs> Why do we hold on to it so much? That is such a good question, Steve. And, I, and you know, that one of my clients said, thank you for being blunt. And I said, blunt is my superpower. We hang on to it because we don't want to do the work to move forward. It, laziness is a lot of it. We like to sit in the pity party. Um, it's self-indulgent. It doesn't serve anything, does it? Uh, so sitting in with something and, and dwelling on it is uh, counterproductive to moving forward. A lot of us do that. We just stay with the, we enjoy the, the pity party, or we don't want to do the work to move forward, whatever it is, but it's self-indulgent and it truly is self-indulgent. You're no good to the world while you're sitting in, in a state of pity, self-pity. So I'll try to do coaching mm. with me. <laughs> you yeah. can imagine how that goes over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So can we ever get to a place where we feel like we've just I've mastered life. I really got this life thing down good now. <laughs> uh, I hope not, because then what would you do with yourself? No, you know, I think that the point is, well, never, the, I am not a fan of SMART goals in particular. I like what Jim Collins called big, hairy, audacious goals. The really big goals, the really big things we want to achieve about who we are, uh, ultimately financially independent, rock and fit and ripped. Um, my relationships, my, my main relationship, sexy, warm. We're never going to arrive to the, the ultimate point, there's no, I mean, it's, it's infinite. The, the happiness comes from just inching towards those things. As long as we're moving forward, I can have somebody who is in, in the depths of despair. And if I can get them just moving forward, 
even just for that day. And I'll say, do this certain thing, hard thing. And then they'll text me back and they'll say, you know, I feel happier. We are happier just moving forward, no matter how small. If we have to wait till arrive we're, to be happy, we'll never be happy because we never arrive. There's no arrival. But feeling like you have a, a handle on each area, like what I like, I'm pretty fit. I can still do push-ups on my time, 66. I did a, a fitness competition a year ago. I'm pretty fit. Would I like to be more fit? Yeah, I still like more muscle and I still feel like there's a few things I'd like to work on. My marriage is still really is awesome, but are there things I still like to be better at? Of course, but I feel like I have, um, I've got mastery over my physical self, but that doesn't mean I've arrived to where I want to be. Does that make sense? So I, I have control, but I'm not arrived. And that's where we want to be in each area of life. I've controlled my finances. I'm not rich yet. <laughs> However, he wants to be rich. I have control over my education. I feel like I'm educating myself, but I don't know everything I'd like to know yet. Mm, absolutely. So for a person who, well, let's just call it bluntly what you called it earlier, a person who's been spending their life dying, what is a good first step to start really living in your life? You know, when I have clients come in and we start getting started this journey forward, uh, somebody asked me in an earlier interview that what are the, first, the best things, best habits to start with? It's whatever you feel like you need. Like somebody might be their first big habit is brushing their teeth every day. The, the thing that we need to do is whatever's on our mind and we're feeling like we need to, to do something about it. And for most people, it will be, sometimes it's brushing their teeth. It might be, uh, it might be prayer. It might be uh, meditation or personal study or working out but to pick the habit that you want to work on first, just pick one that you want forever, like a lifetime habit and just start tomorrow. And don't pick a whole bunch of them. Don't try to jump that whole, that whole uh, chasm all in one leap, right? We just want to make a little bit movement forward. So just find one, two, three habits you want to develop, track them. You can get tracking sheets on my website, by the way, at lifemasteryinfo.com. Track those habits. They're free. I've given them away up every website I've ever had for forever, I've given those away. Um, track them, and once you get those habits down, I was 25, that's four decades ago, Steve, <laughs> I'm 66 now. Um, when I, I was actually even quite 25, when I did my first trackings, I started developing habits, so undisciplined, I was so undisciplined. And I started with three habits. Uh, one was, I think more, see, they were morning prayer, journal writing, and, and some devotional study every day. That's what I wanted to do. And I, I still do those things. I've done them every day for 40 years. Uh, I took a few months to get the habit down, but once I did, I've been doing them. And I, now I do. Now I track about uh, 10, 10 or 12 habits every month. That's awesome. So uh, for people that didn't catch it, do give us your website address again. It's Life Mastery Info, because Life Mastery was taken. LifeMasteryInfo.com. And of course, Life Mastery, the book is available on Amazon. And I'm very excited that in about a week, um, the audio version will be available on Audible and all places you can get audio books. And I read that myself with this scratchy 66 year old voice, but I had some help and it turned out really beautiful. The book is really nice in spite of my voice. That is very awesome. Well, Sherry, I really appreciate you spending some time with us here on the show today. Thanks, Steve. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Appreciate the work you do and good luck in your, in your, all your different projects and endeavors. If I can do anything else for you, you let me know. Thank you. Have a good day. What is your infinite potential and are you living it? And because it's the word infinite, no matter how great life is, there's even more and more and more of life for you to be able to drink in and live it to an ultimate, infinite, ongoing potential as you live as a thriving entrepreneur. Oh, I want that for you. I hope you're in the process of living that way too. Let's take another commercial break and then we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. 
<laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. We've been talking about life mastery, about living to your infinite potential. And as I said at the beginning of the show, drinking life in. So what a better way to end today's episode than to literally talk about drinking, about wine. Um, I've got a wonderful, amazing wine expert here that I did an interview with to share with you and to give you some insights from a real pro's perspective about wine. And maybe from that, you'll also learn a few things about drinking life in. Join me in welcoming Michael Jurgens. Hey, Michael, how are you doing today? What's up, man? How are you? I am doing good. Um, Tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Uh, sure. So um, I'm, a, I'm a partner in a, in a global consulting firm um, where I run our, our winery solutions group, which oversees like a bunch of professional services that we, that we uh, provide to wineries. Um, I am a master of wine candidate, um, so I'm pretty geeky about wine. I started the wine industry in the Kingdom of Bhutan and the Himalayas, and I've written a number of best-selling books about wine. Uh, and I do other interesting stuff, like I played the drums in a punk rock band and uh, travel around the world doing extreme races and stupid spots and where I might die and drive things really fast. And <laughs> so, so uh, you know, I think I probably show up on, on a couple different radar screens. I'm also a professor at, uh, at the University of California, Irvine. So basically, you're a really super conservative guy that never gets out of the house. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so a lot of social anxiety. That's a big problem for me. <laughs> I'm working to overcome it. So wine, um, you know, and, and given especially where you live, there are so many different options for wine. But are you one of those kind of, I mean, it feels like, and I could be wrong, but it feels like there's two groups of wine people. There are people who are absolute snooty snobs, like we'll just leave it at that um you know and then there's everybody else you know what i'm saying <laughs> well i have a theory on that steve and i think that we fucked up wine in this country and i think that most other countries that make really good wine have been doing so for hundreds or thousands of years and then all of a sudden in like the 60s we said hey we can we can do it too and so and then the rest of the world was like, no, you can't, you wild, wild, West American people. And, um, and so we had to make it like this. We had to over-engineer the, the rituals and the, the mystique and the prestige around it to kind of compete. And then that snowballed. And that's what we have today. And like, you, to your point, yeah, there's a lot of snooty people that, that I think have the whole idea of wine as like this status snooty thing. Whereas everywhere else in the world, it's like this joyous share with family and friends. And yeah, you can spend a ton of money, but also every cafe that you walk into in Italy has a jug of wine already sitting on the table when you walk in. It's just part of life. So I think, you know, to your to your answer, I fall very much in the latter camp. And um, like my latest book, Drinking and Knowing Things, is literally designed to, to kind of make, bring the joy back and make wine accessible to the people that don't want to be snooty about it and don't care. The, some of the reviews on it are pretty funny. 
it's a great book online if you can get past all the f bombs. <laughs> well, that could be fun too. No, so, I, so from what you're saying, you're not going to be the person who, when somebody goes to the store, you know, like a grocery store and buys a box of wine, that you're going to, you know, give them holy you know what over <laughs> no i mean so far from it i'm, I'm um, working on an industry certification called the master of wine there's 417 i think in the world there's 57 in the u.s um and so you know i can i can play as geeky as as uh, as i need to play in that space but when it, when you are a master of wine you're actually not a master of only the fine, good, expensive wine. You're a master of. You're expected to know the entire world of wine. So I, I drink, I drink bottles of wine that are eight bucks, and I drink bottles of wine that are thousands of dollars. Everything in between, and there's, there's something in it for, for everybody. So, when you think about, you know, an eight dollar a box wine versus an eight thousand dollar bottle of wine. For somebody who isn't at your level, yeah, how do you how do you describe the nuances and the difference to amateurs? So, I, I mean, I think you can look at it from a sort of a complexity perspective. You know, uh, how complex is it? How long is, is the finish? But to be honest, objectively, wine quality increases until you get to about let's say hundred and fifty dollars a bottle. And after that, it becomes the price is a function of supply and demand. So objectively, a wine that's 300 bucks versus a wine that's 3,000 bucks, it's just the brand. Um, often from a just a pure straight up quality level, they're equivalent. Uh, but let's just say I'm, you know, take any wine in that spectrum. I would say, you know, generally we look at the intensity. Are the flavors more intense? Uh, are they more complex? Do you, you know, in, you know, get different things on the on the palate, or is it just kind of a one note song? Does the does the taste last in your in your mouth, you know, for two minutes, or does it immediately fade and go away? Um, you know, how are the aromas leaping out of the glass if you are? You, you got to hunt for it. You know, there's some things, some criteria that you can really, you know, hone in on that says this is a higher quality wine objective. That's the kind of geeky shit I do. That's fun. So let's talk a little bit about your book and your newsletter, um, Drinking and Knowing. What kind of things do you share with people in the book? So this whole thing started, you know, I've written a, a number of other books about wine and, and my friends, knowing that I was drinking a lot of interesting wine, you know, studying for the certification, were kind of after me to, to tell them what to drink. Like, come on, dude, tell us what we should be drinking. I'm like, I'm not responsible for your drinking just go out and buy some stuff and try it and if you like it cool if you don't go on to the next one you know and then uh, then i read this book this wine book this is about a, right before the pandemic happened um the the the, the person that was ripping on the great shannon blanc and i was like fuck you shannon blanc is awesome like don't rip on shannon so i got sort of incensed and i wrote an email to like 10 of my friends and said you should all go out immediately and buy some shannon blanc it's great here's why here's a bottle Go get it. And th that email, like everyone responded, like, this is awesome. Give me another one. And so I just started doing that once once a week or so. Uh, and the emails got forwarded all over the world. And I got emails from all kinds of weird countries saying, hey, can you put me on the list? And uh, and the format's pretty much the same. It's just like, I, like, hey, I was drinking this last night. It's great. Here's why I think it's great. And you should go buy a Bovale Sardin. You know, and everyone's like, what's a Bovale Sardin? I guess it's cool red wine from Sardinia. They're 15 bucks and they're awesome. They'll get one. Um, so then the, the way that the book happened, I didn't set out to actually make a book about it at all, but people kept emailing me going, hey, can you send me all the back issues? I'm new to the list. I'm like, no, <laughs> I can't do that. Like, like, sorry, you're late to the party, dude, but that's not, that's on you. That's not on me. And, uh, but I got enough requests that finally I was like, all right. And I bundled the first 52 together and put it out, um, you know, on Amazon as take this book every week, spend five minutes reading three paragraphs about it and try a Bovale Sardo from Sardinia. 
or a Vermentino from Sardinia or a Salmarundi from Hungary. And here's why it's cool. And maybe you like it, maybe you don't. But at the end of three months, you're you kind of starting to get it. At the end of the year, you're as good as any Somaliad. And you really didn't do any work other than drink a lot, which is kind of what it's all about. <laughs> so have, in any of your newsletters, have you done the other way where you're like, you know, I drank this last night. Do not drink this. Totally. Will. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is garbage. And then sometimes, like, I, I um, one of the ones is on Pinotage, which is a South African grain. One of my best friends is from South Africa. So he obviously has been trying to get me to drink this one for almost 25 years. And I've hated it for 22 of those years. And finally, I tried one that was good. And so I, like, oh, I better explore this a little bit. I tried a couple more. And so then I actually wrote one that was like, all right, I was wrong. I thought this wine was trash, but it turns out maybe I got a little smarter. My palate evolved, or maybe, you know, who knows? But now I, 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 I hereby decree this is okay. Go start drinking it. <laughs> That's a lot of fun. So, um, and if I've got this correctly, your books are actually published under the name Michael A. Ammon. Amen. Oh yeah, Amon's my middle name. Um, okay. So for, for for some reason, I just had it in my head that like you needed a pseudonym if you were going to be an author, but I couldn't really think of one when I published my first book, so I just used my middle name. And so now, and so then once you publish the first one, you can't like change it. So here I am six or seven books deep and like, well that is so awesome so um you know what are you going to do with it now what now that you've got six or seven books in uh what do you want to do with the drinking and knowing things world well i mean i didn't set out to do it actually it was funny i threw a big uh, wine party over over thanksgiving um on, on the saturday and people were asking me that question i was like like, and they're like, you should do this and make some money and do this other thing. And I go, look, I started this for my friends to help them like think wine is cool and be comfortable trying stuff. And if everybody does that, that's great. Like, I don't, I have, I have other businesses that, that uh, are, uh, you know, pay, you know, feed my family. Right. So like for me, I think the second I try to do something with this other than what I'm doing, it, it loses its authenticity. And then it, then people are not going to respond to it as well. So my plan is to just keep doing what I'm doing, which is talking shit and drinking wine. And if people like it, awesome. And if they don't, fuck them. All right. Okay. I like that. So will there be a volume three or do people need to join your newsletter if they want to go any further than the first one? Well, so I, <laughs> <laughs> well I, what I'm doing is I obviously I'm putting them out as I go along. So uh, I am at... This week, which I haven't written yet, I got to get around to writing it, it will be number 100. So in another four weeks, I'll have enough to make the second year, um, you know, year two. Um, and then, you know, I'm assuming I keep writing it eventually in a year from now, there'll be enough to put out a, a, a third issue. And I'll just kind of keep doing that. But people don't have to wait for that. You can just go to drinking and knowing things um, and put your email address in and then you'll just start getting them from the beginning. Like there's no sign up, there's no fee, there's not, not, my goal, truly Steve, my goal is to change the mindset of, of wine in America from this, it's this snooty thing to like, this is awesome, cool thing that I can do with my friends and have fun with it. And so you said the website is drinkingandknowingthings.com. Yep. Yeah, perfect. Awesome. So yeah. um, you should check it out, man. Get up on that. Yeah. So give us uh, give us your pick for this week. I mean, I want. Well, no. Let me start from there. Out of all the wines you've ever drank in your whole life, do you have a favorite? It's okay to say no, but do you? Yeah, you know, I get asked that question a lot, right? Like, if you could just have one wine for the rest of your life, or what's your favorite wine of all time? And I, I do think it's kind of like um, this. What are you doing at the time? You know, uh, if you're if you're uh, if you're out at the beach, like a big heavy red, it sucks. But like a nice white, crisp white is great. But if I if the gun to my head, if I had to pick, I would say Burgundy, and I would say uh, wines from the Domaine Roman Conti um, uh, winery are are the ones that 
have consistently been just the most spectacular, magical experiences for me. They're also the most expensive. <laughs> so probably not something I would drink on a daily basis, but. Um, so can we get a sneak peek? Um, what is the next wine you're going to recommend? <laughs> you know what? It's, I, I never, um, like I never think that far in advance. Like it literally. Okay, it's what like was the last one you recommended? The last, so the last one I did uh, was Bovali Sarno, um, which is the one uh, from from uh, Sardinia. The one before that, I just pulled up the list really quick. The one before that was Bruner Veltliner from Austria. The one before that was Barbera. Then I had one from Colaris. Colaris is bitching. So Colaris is this little town in um, in Portugal where the vines grow on the beach. And they don't bother with any, you should let them just run down the beach, like they just lay on the sand. And then when they start producing grapes, they go around with these little sticks and they prop them up in the air so that the grapes don't rot on the ground. And then they pick they pick them and then they make this wine. It's this big, rich red, kind of like a Napa Cabernet, um, but it's got like this like cool earthiness and it's on the beach. So you get like the sea spray in it and it's, I don't know, 20, 25 bucks, it's awesome. So it's, it's stuff like that that people wouldn't know about, but now they feel a little bit more comfortable going into a wine shop going, hey, do you have any Colares? And then the, the staff person goes, either, I don't know what that is, or they go, holy shit, you know about Colares? Yeah, we have some over here. You know what's going on. Okay, I got one last question for you before I let you go. Uh, what wine do you recommend to people who don't like wine? Ah, um, so I have a theory about that, that, that there's a wine for everybody. Um, and there's, there's just too much style variation, right? So there's big, super sickly sweet wines. There's really austere wines. There's red, white, orange, pink, you know, everything in between sparkling. And so I think the question is, is like, why don't you like wine? If you were to tell me it's the alcohol is too high, I would say you should drink some Mosul Riesling or Moscato. If you say it's too rich and heavy, I'd be like, oh, okay, why don't you try a Beaujolais? If you say it's not, it doesn't get me drunk fast enough, I'm like, let me show you what the deal is with pork or Madeira, you know? So like, I could definitely hone in on it and, and say, you know, depending on why you didn't like it, I would give a different answer. That makes total sense. I mean, I love grape juice, um, red, green, you know, I've never had orange grape juice. I, I'm assuming since there's orange wine, there must be some kind of oranginess. Um, but, uh, Are you, so, but do you drink wine at all? Like, like, no, because I, it always feels to me like somebody put cough medicine in my grape juice, and I just don't understand why you would ruin good grape juice that way. Oh, interesting. But do, do you normally drink it? Do you drink beer? No, I don't. I'm not a drinker at all. You're not a drinker at all? Okay. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that totally makes makes some sense. But, but uh, yeah, I think, um, but truly, to what I would say to anybody who would say they don't like wine, I would just be like, just go out and try some weird stuff. Like go into a liquor store or a wine store, see a label that you don't know what it means, <laughs> buy it and drink it. And just, if you like it, cool. If not, we know that, you know, that one's off the table now. Try a different one. And just have a good time with it. Dude, in, in, uh, in Spain, they have this thing called the wine fight. There's a little village in Rioja and all the villagers come out once a year and they throw water balloons and squirt guns and they just douse each other with wine. Everyone wears white. So their clothes get ruined. And it's fun. Like, we couldn't do that in Napa. We couldn't do that in Sonoma. Here, like, people lose their shit. That's a lot should. of fun. Yeah. We should. Yeah. We need to have a town somewhere in Napa Valley area that does that. You know, it would be so counterculture to that whole area of California. Could you imagine, like, build up a super soaker? <laughs> See, like, now, even with whether I drank it or not, I would be totally down for that. <laughs> exactly. You wouldn't have to be a drinker to have fun with that. You could just, you know, just blasting people, just. And everyone's laughing and just having a good time. That's so. That's to me what I think we need to re. We need to find that again for us, and that's what I'm trying to do. Absolutely. Well, the book is called Drinking and Knowing Things. I love that, uh, Michael. Thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Steve, appreciate you having me on, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks, nice, nice meeting you.
what a great way to end the show. Just talking about sitting back, you know, whether it be in Napa Valley here in California or in the south of France or in the Alsace-Lorraine region that's right between France and Germany. Uh, wherever it might be, there's so many places all around the world. Um, I know Oregon has really become a big wine place. All of those kind of things. Or maybe just at home, cuddled up with somebody you love. What a great way to really just drink life in. To have an amazingly wonderful time. To be with the one you love. To be comfortable in your own skin. To live, to thrive, to be, and to reach your infinite potential. I love that word infinite potential because, you know, there's no end to infinite. You just keep growing and growing and going. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote in the last of the Chronicles of Narnia books, um, one that they've never made into a movie. I, I would love to see them make uh, the book The Last Battle into a movie. I've always hoped. I was hoping when they did it the last time, uh, you know, that, that they were going to do it, but they didn't get that far. Um, he does a beautiful view of heaven. And I'm not going to go into it because it would be a totally spoiler. you got to read the whole Chronicles of Narnia books. Um, but the underlying element of heaven is you continue always moving further up and further in. What a blissful heaven that is to be able to continue to always learn and grow and be more and have more. To have the infinite potential that is yours continue to grow even after your body is no longer here on this earth and your spirit is freed from the bounds of mortality to continue to learn and grow and be and thrive and to continue even in that element to drink life in to its ultimate fullest great potential. And while here on earth, for you to share all that you are, to be the best you that you can be while it's called today. Because you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose. And the world needs you. I'm so delighted every time I get to be able to come together here with you on this radio show to share with you, to be with you, and to hopefully bring some insights into your life that make you thrive, that help you have a thriving business, a thriving life, and that in every aspect of it, you can look at yourself and say, oh yes, I am a thriving entrepreneur. Drink life in today. Live today to its ultimate, infinite potential. Be all that you can be and thrive. And until we're together again next time, I hope you're happy, safe, warm, and loved. That you know how amazingly wonderful you are in this world. That you feel the infinite potential and power rising up within you. And you have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com, schedule a talk with Steve,
believe. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. You